We are continuing our study on the Sermon on the Mount. We've been here for several weeks now, and um, our text today was planned out at least two months ago when I planned out this entire series, and I, I got a chuckle when I started looking at it this week and started preparing this to see what it actually was for this week. Matthew chapter 6, would you stand with me if you can? Matthew 6, we're going to begin in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. We live in an age of anxiety and worry, as the last week has proven to us. For all of our technology and innovation and awareness, we have possibly never been more anxious as a culture, more fearful as a culture. We've said this before, but we were not created to be omniscient. Um, And yet with the advent of the internet and social media in general, it it has not resulted in less anxiety, it has only produced more anxiety. Suddenly, we are aware of everything that is happening in every corner of the globe. You are aware of what's happening in every quadrant of the lives of the people that you are friends with, and it has only produced more worry and concern and fear and anxiety. Jesus, however, does not want us to live this way, right? Jesus doesn't want us to live this way, and he has provided a pathway that leads us away from anxiety, worry, and fear, but like an addict, we, have, we actually kind of cling to our worry and fear rather than following the path of Christ, because for some reason, his pathway just doesn't seem like the right route. It doesn't seem like the way we should take. So I'm going to keep this brief today, but, but, but our challenge isn't in understanding what Jesus has to say here. Like, his words are pretty clear 
Um, there are parts of the Sermon on the Mount that are a little bit more obtuse. Jesus is perfectly clear today. Our, our bigger challenge is in actually doing the stuff that he's talking about. It's not just in understanding him, it's in doing it. So while our scripture today might seem like multiple separate teachings, they're actually all connected, and they connect to the passage on fasting that we looked at last week. And let me just read that passage real quick. This is verse 16. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. He says, but when you fast... Anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others. And listen to this. It'll be seen by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. What immediately follows after him saying, your father who sees in secret will reward you is so don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. We are pre-programmed to look after our own self-interest. Jesus comes along, though, and declares that we're actually putting our hope in the wrong things. If we are storing up material treasures on earth, to be as simple as I can be, it's as if Jesus is saying, it's far more valuable for you to fast than it is for you to put money in a savings account. It is far more valuable for you to practice spiritual disciplines than for you to store up material wealth, because only one of those things is actually going to benefit you eternally. It's not as if the other is bad or wrong or sinful, but only one of those things will benefit you eternally. And what we are apt to do is we're apt to get those priorities out of alignment very quickly and very easily. When we think about wisdom... We consider real wisdom, however, to be storing up treasures on earth most of the time. And Jesus says that we think this way because the way that we look at the world is darkened. This is verse 22. He's talking about the eye being the lamp of the body. And he's being metaphorical here. He's talking not about your actual eyeball, right? He's talking about the way that you see things. How do you look at the world? If you buy into the normal wisdom and logic of our world rather than into the teaching of Christ, then the way that you look at things is darkened. The way that you look at things is wrong. It's untruthful. And when you don't see things clearly, it can lead you to believe that you can do things you can't do. Like, for instance, that you could somehow serve God, but also serve your own self-interest. And that somehow that you could do that concurrently, as if both of those things are equal. When we buy into the wisdom of our world, we buy into the notion that we can do things that we can't do. Jesus says, you can't do this, and he doesn't just mean that you shouldn't do this. What he means is you functionally can't do this. You functionally cannot serve God and money. You functionally cannot serve God and serve your own self-interest because one of those things will always wind up playing second fiddle. Like one of those things will always take priority. Now, depending on what translation of scripture you have, verse 25 may read, do not be anxious. I read from the ESV, which says anxious over and over again, but your translation might say, do not worry. And the Greek root word, the Greek language is the original language in which this was written. The Greek root word here has historically been used interchangeably in both ways. And, and really throughout history, those two words, anxiety and worry, have, have kind of been used concurrently. They've been used to mean the same 
thing. Our world today has kind of parsed those two things out. And modern psychology has said anxiety is one thing and worry is something different. A few differences between those things according to psychology today. First of all, we tend to experience worry in our heads and anxiety in our body. Worry tends to be more mental, whereas when it comes to anxiety, we tend to have a more physical, visceral experience. Secondly, worry tends to be specific, while anxiety is a bit more nebulous or a bit more diffused. So here's an example. We worry about getting to the airport on time. That's, a, that's like a specific threat. I might be late. We worry about something like that. But we feel anxious about traveling. It's more general. It's more nebulous. It's less specific. Worry often triggers problem solving, but anxiety does not. Worry can lead us to think about solutions and strategies for dealing with a given situation. Anxiety is more like a hamster wheel that spins us around but doesn't lead to productive solutions. Like, so we can, we can actually um, minimize our worry by kind of mentally working through some problem-solving skills. Anxiety doesn't work in the same way. Worry is caused by more realistic concerns than anxiety. If, for example, if you're concerned about getting fired from your job because you did poorly on a project, then that's worry. But if you're concerned about getting fired from your job because your boss didn't ask about your child's piano recital, that's anxiety, right? One of those things makes sense. The other one doesn't make sense. And then finally, worry tends to be controllable. Anxiety, much less so, by problem solving, by thinking through strategies to deal with the cause of our worry, we can actually diminish it greatly. We have much less control, seemingly, over anxiety. It's much harder to like, talk ourselves out of being anxious. So both worry and anxiety call us to put our trust in things that are tangible, it, like it, when we're thinking about the things of this world, our anxiety or worry like, calls us to like, put our trust in things that we can see and touch and feel. But Jesus wants to like, reframe the way that we view things. He wants to reframe the lenses through which we view the world. And so he uses some basic logic here to combat our worry and fear and anxiety. And it's, it's like this if-then type stuff. If God does A then it stands to reason that God will do B. If God feeds the birds, then why do you think he's not going to feed you? Like, or if God makes the grass of the field beautiful, then why would he not clothe you? So, so why would you be worried about these things when you see the way that God takes care of other people? One other note about anxiety uh, that relates to kind of our current season. Anxiety, more so than worry, because it's often an external visceral thing, anxiety has the potential to breed anxiety and fear in other people. Oftentimes, the person who is anxious is the person who has the most power in any given relationship or in a room. Because when you are anxious and you kind of act out of a place of anxiousness, what happens? Other people get anxious as well, right? So your anxiety can breed anxiety in other people. And it's the anxiety of kind of our culture 
that leads to suddenly toilet paper being unavailable, right? I, and I was at the grocery store this morning picking up our communion supplies. And I was at Albertsons here, and I noticed they had a lot of toilet paper. Now, we don't need toilet paper at our house, but there was a tinge within me to go, I should buy all of this, right? <laughs> that's anxiety. And that's not something that has come from within me. It's not an actual need that I have, but I've seen other people. And I go, is this going to be here when I do need it? Right? That's kind of how some of that stuff works. So Jesus presents some sound logic here. If we stop going to the well of worry, then these things will vanish. But when we continue going back to the well of worry, these things will never sink in. Some of us feed our worry and anxiety like it's a pet. We give it a ton of attention and nurture, and it persists because we've like grown attached to it in some way. If we gave spiritual practice the kind of time and attention and focus that we devote to fear and worry and anxiety, do you think that things would be different in your life? Even outside of Christian practice, you will hear many people extol the virtues of meditating, taking 10 to 15 minutes every morning or throughout the day to like stop and sit and clear out negative thoughts or to repeat positive statements. That stuff tends to work for people for a very specific reason. When you're sitting in silence, intentionally focusing on positive things, what are you not doing? Well, you're not on Twitter, you're not on Facebook, you're not watching the news, you're not on Instagram, you're not thinking about what you have to do, you're not actively comparing yourself to other people or to what other people have, you aren't being notified of the most like recent natural disasters in every corner of the globe. No, you've changed the inputs, even for a brief period of time. And it has an impact. Imagine if you embraced the same idea, that idea of changing the inputs, but the new inputs are Holy Scripture, the literal words of life and truth. What if your mental conversations weren't with yourself they weren't just about like pumping yourself full of positive statements, but what if your conversations were actually with the creator of all things? What if you spent as much time doing that as you spend looking at your phone? I can't help but believe things would be drastically different for many of us. If you believe the gospel, which one of those things do you think has more eternal value? Spending time and worry, fear, and anxiety, or actually spending our time with the Creator of all things. Verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of this other stuff's going to be added to you. The same teaching is found in Luke 12, but Jesus wraps it up in a slightly different fashion. Here's what He says. He says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions... Give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because of all of these things, Jesus says, fear not, fear not, because your treasure is not in this world. So sell your possessions, like, like just this crazy kind of fearlessness where these things don't even matter to me anymore. I'm going to provide for those who are in need, and I'm going to seek His kingdom. 
So what has to change for some of us is what we consider, consider to be our true treasure. Not just the thing that you tell other people your treasure is, but the real thing that you actually desire and long for in your heart. What, what is that? Because if I'm being honest for myself, it's not Jesus most of the time. Like the thing that I just wake up longing for is really my own self-interest, or it's my own stuff, or it's money, or it's things, or it's material. Yeah. So often it is not Him. I have to reframe my thinking. I have to like take off my glasses and put on the right glasses that help me to see the world through the lens of the gospel. And if I'm not in the scriptures, if I'm not in prayer, if I'm not practicing spiritual disciplines, then I can't expect for those things to just happen. What I can expect rather is to be ruled by fear and anxiety and worry. So we have to change the path that we are on. It's the real path to eternal wealth. Let me pray for us this morning. And I would encourage you just in these moments, let's take time and just explore our own hearts. What are the things for you in the last week that have caused the most anxiety? What are the things for you that have caused the most worry? Some of us want to put on a, like a brave front and act like none of this has affected us or bothered us. But search your heart this morning. What is that for you? And, and just in these moments, even with the sounds of the room and what's going on in here, recognize that these are all gifts that God has given us. Our families, this space, time to gather together in freedom. Let's bring those things before Him and thank Him, and let's turn over our anxiety and fear to Him this morning as well. Let's bow in prayer. Take a few moments and search your heart. Give those things over to Him in prayer, and then I will pray for us in just a moment. Jesus, we give you praise. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for giving your life so that we might be reconciled to God. Thank you for the hope that we find in you, a hope that exists outside of this world, Father. A treasure that is found in things that do not go away, that do not perish, that do not become diseased treasure that is eternal. We thank you for that. Father, this morning, would you call our hearts to trust you more and more? Father, would you help us to turn off the inputs in our life that distract us and turn our gaze or our attention away from you? Help us, Father, to fill those times with the truth of who you are, with the goodness of your word, with reminders of your gospel, Help us to preach the gospel to ourselves. Help us to be reminded of your grace and love every day. And in the midst of this season, Father, we pray, God, that you would bring healing and hope. Father, we pray that you would truly bring your church together to trust you and to rely on your Holy Spirit. We pray for those who are sick and those who are in need. And in our lives, Father, would you help us to see those needs and to meet them in the name of Jesus. 
We pray for the families that are displaced or who are caught up in chaotic situations because of a lack of school or child care or work. We pray for those who are out of jobs right now, Father, or who are in fear of losing their jobs. We pray, God, that you would bring peace and provision. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.